Bitcoin breaks below 40k on grayscale selling. Ethereum implied vols get crushed as big call overwriters come back. And weekly put skew explodes as crypto investors rush for protection. All this and more in this week's Crypto Options Unplugged. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Crypto Options Unplugged, our new podcast discussing all things crypto, macro and crypto options. I'm your host, Imran Larka from Options Insight. And again, as always with me today is Dave Brickell from FRNT Financial. Hey, man, how's it going? Yeah, good. How are you? Good, good. So yeah. tell us, anything moved on the macro front? Obviously, we've seen a big sell the news event on uh, Bitcoin. Yeah, certainly Bitcoin crypto prices are moving. Um, and, and actually, I think actually um, we've probably taken, the macro's taken a bit of a backseat to, in terms of crypto at least, in terms of everything that's been going on with this sell the news um, type event. We're kind of battling the, the grayscale flows versus the inflows coming into the, the ETFs. Um, so let's explain that for the viewers who might not know that story. So my understanding, and tell me where I, if I'm missing anything because you're deep in the weeds yeah, in yeah. crypto. So Grayscale was basically, before the ETFs came along, that was one of the instruments that a lot of people used to invest in Bitcoin. But because it wasn't an ETF, it could trade away from the actual NAV, the asset value. And sometimes it traded deep, deep lower, like 40% lower than what it was worth. So the idea was people had their money locked in this thing. They didn't want to sell it out at the wrong price. So they were waiting for it to converge back to the fair value, at which point they could then get out of it, thank their lucky stars and move on. Is that kind of what went down? Yeah, yeah, that, that's sort of pretty much it. Um, I mean, some would have just been playing for that, that kind of arb, if you like, um, to sort of close up. Um, others were, were just invested in it because they wanted to be long, essentially a, a spot Bitcoin ETF. Um, and whilst that wasn't available, Grayscale was the option. The, pro the problem with Grayscale is, you know, their their fees are much higher than than what the other ETFs are charging. So I imagine there's a lot that's in there that just want to hold, um, and and will probably be converting a chunk of that will convert into the other ETFs and and just for much cheaper fees. The other, the other big problem is some of the holders of that were the likes of FTX, mm -hmm. um, Celsius, you know, some, some of these. So now, now they're able to get that money out. Um, yeah, I heard they sold a billion dollars. Right? Yeah, so there's a lot of talk that actually a, a chunk of the selling hasn't been the, the holders that just want to, you know, sort of take the money out um, be, because they've either sort of rode that, that sort of um, arb or, you know, because they're looking to reallocate to another ETF. A lot of it has actually... Um, say yeah, I think a billion dollars was the number that's that's been put out there is actually selling um, because it's part of the FTX estate and what have you, and 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 they're just they're just liquidating that. So so there there's, I mean, net there's still actually been a positive flow sort of dynamic. There's actually been more inflows into the new ETFs um, than what's being sold. Um, but but you know there, there's this kind of battle going on. I guess um, there's talk as well about uh, MT Gox is about to to uh, un unleash um, holdings there. So it just feels there's a bit of a negative flow dynamic. Um, classic sort of you know sell the news type event. 
everyone probably paid like the hires and, and now getting washed out. And now you've actually probably got some of the momentum accounts getting short. Um, you, you've still got you know some sort of leverage being taken out. Um, and, and now now we're kind of feeling that pain. But you know, stepping back for me, it, it just feels like a pretty normal correction in 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 the crypto world. You know, mm-hmm. sort of like twenty thirty percent after after quite a big move isn't unusual. Um, Do you think the move's got some legs still though? Because for example. We've had rates back up, obviously, in U.S. yields. Equities don't really seem to care because they're flying high on the mega cap tech names. Yeah. But do you think we're getting close to the end or it's got... I I personally think in equities, we maybe have a month or two of consolidation to come, depending on how earnings are. Yeah. But what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I I mean, it's it's always difficult to catch, like, the falling knife. Um, I I actually feel we, we are nearing that point where sentiment's getting pretty bearish now. Um, I don't think there's a lot of um, sort of leverage longs to I think most of them have probably been wiped out already. Um, and in fact, I would actually say we're, we're probably at risk now of a short squeeze and, and a um, and a rip higher. Again, how long this this um, the grayscale thing is going to play out? You'd imagine that starts to slow, and then actually, you know, we can focus back on the positive story that actually, you know, we're seeing some really decent inflows, and it has been a huge success, right? The the ETFs, if you, if you look at volume metrics in terms of traded and what's flowing into these ETFs, so I think that should start to exert its dominance. I still think the real kind of demand if you like is there so there'll be a, a real sort of buyer on dips um it's just it's just sort of you know how, how do you time that um so i i kind of think we need about everyone keeps talking about 35k T- typically in crypto you don't you don't, don't get the get levels there. you want yeah um, yeah so 38 so, let's 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 adjust that to 38 maybe yeah maybe and <laughs> and um and you know uh Yeah, it feels to me we're probably stretched on the bearish sentiment. From the macro, um, not much has changed. Um, You know, if if I think of what we've seen over really since the start of the year, we kind of got that early year sparring where where the world of macro is trying to just kind of work out what the short term narrative is. you know, we we had obviously that explosive risk rally on on the sort of December pivot from the Fed. We've just seen a little bit of tempering of that. Um, you know, March rate cuts have gone from being like eighty percent of a lock for for the rate cut to now just sub fifty percent. Um, you've seen central bankers pushing back a little bit on the rate cut um, idea, or certainly in terms of the, the depth of cuts that that market's pricing. We had a strong retail sales print out of the US, which has made everyone think, okay, you've still got this resilient US economy. Maybe we're not going to see the cuts. Um, but I, I kind of think overall, not much has changed in terms of the direction of travel, and that's what's most important. It's, and the direction of travel is, you know, rate cuts from central banks. We're about to embark on a cutting cycle. Whether that starts in March, whether it starts in the summer, um, it's the direction that's important. So we're going to go into a lower rate environment. Um, Liquidity is improving, continues to improve. Um, you know, we, we're going to start to see the QT tapered and eventually end. Um, so and that is that kind of confirmed, or is that just assumption on the RRP going down? It, it's it's been um, spoken about by the Fed, which in, in my mind means it's confirmed. And and again, we, we've spoken about you know with the RRP going down. We were talking about this way before the Fed were. Um, I don't think they're going to have a choice to not. Um, What's going to be really important at the end of January, we're going to get the quarterly refinancing um, announcement from the Treasury where they talk about how they're going to finance the debt and and um, the, the bond issuance. Now, 
part of what strained the RRP was that they skewed the bond issuance to the front end. So they issued more bills and that was what was allowing this RRP to come out. So my expectation is they'll continue down that path and they'll drain the RRP pretty quickly, which means QT in my mind is going to start to taper um, probably throughout February and, and probably ends you know sooner than people think. If I'm right on that, then at this next Fed meeting, they're going to have to start preparing the market for that and announce that, which I, I think will be seen as quite a dovish um, development from the Fed. So I still think we're on track with that. Um, the biggest thing for me that's going on in macro right now is China. Um, and I think that's what everyone needs to be paying attention to. So China battling this deflationary, slowing uh, economy, they got a sprawling property crisis. I mean, their stocks are down every day. Domestic stocks are getting absolutely <laughs> annihilated. Um, I say yeah. that because I tried to buy them a little while <laughs> yeah, ago. It didn't yeah. go very well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, so they've um, they've come out today, and there's talk that they're preparing a, a sort of two trillion yuan package, which is mm -hmm. about like what two hundred eighty billion dollar package to support stocks, are banning short selling, um, all yeah, this stuff on, to support If you were it. around in 2008, you know short sell banning short selling never works. No, no, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. But it, it kind of speaks to their kind of desperation. Yeah. Um, there was talk as well, there was a proposal last week uh, for a 1 trillion yuan um, ultra bond issuance uh, package um, to, again, kind of help on the fiscal side, take off some of the pressure from local governments in China. To put it in context, they've only done these, um, the, these, this kind of ultra long issuance four times in like the last 26 years. Um, the last time was around the, in, in response to the pandemic and COVID. So things are pretty serious there. Now, ultimately, it's kind of in my mind, it, it, it reinforces the, the bull case for Bitcoin. Well, that's what I was about to ask you. Like, what does it mean for crypto? Is it because more liquidity coming? More, more liquidity. And again, you've got a kind of debt bubble deflating and the only response to that is more debt and more liquidity so ultimately and and, and which means debasing of of another fiat currency so ultimately medium to long term it just feeds the positive you know case and dynamic for bitcoin short term however and i think this is really important short term it's really important that china particularly when their currency is under pressure particularly when they're facing capital outflows it's really important that China maintain this vowel of stability and discourage those outflows. Now, this is a this is a country that has capital controls. It's not easy to get your money out um, of China. One avenue which you can do, obviously, and, and why we all love crypto, um, is is Bitcoin. So they're highly incentivizing China to keep a lid on Bitcoin and even have it going lower. Now. You tend to find that in, in moments of currency instability in China, and certainly when they're facing capital outflows, Bitcoin actually tends to underperform in the short term. And I kind of think that, along with everything else, with the grayscale and everything, I think what's going on in China is probably adding weight to Bitcoin. And I think you want to see things settle in China and for them to stabilize the situation there, um, for Bitcoin to be able to resume all things equal to be able to resume its climb higher. So I think what's going on in China is really important. It's going to lead to, to a, a, you know, explosion of liquidity out of there because that's, that's the only answer to it. Um, but the path from there, uh, from here to there, will be um, maybe Bitcoin trades, trades heavy as I think China will actively try and keep a lid on it. Cool, cool. And before we jump into my vol stuff, what about ETH? Because, you know, 
the first knee-jerk move was 25% outperformance yeah. versus Bitcoin. As soon as everyone said, okay, Bitcoin's news is out, what's the next play? But now we're starting to see ETH wobble a bit as well because it can't seem to ignore the weakness in Bitcoin. Yeah. Big brother Bitcoin's taking it lower. What are your thoughts on ETH right now? Yeah, well, I mean, again, like like still medium, long-term, super bullish, we, we are going to start moving into that narrative about the ETH ETFs, not always easy to say that. Um, we are going to move into that narrative, um, are still bullish generally on, on, on the sort of crypto space. Um, as well, like like for much of last year, the, it was kind of this, um, actually Bitcoin took on this, um, this safe haven kind of characteristic. Um, and that was actually quite a big uh, driver of Bitcoin for quite a bit when we were worrying about US debt sustainability. Um, as as we as we kind of move into this world, which is about you know rate cuts and liquidity, that tends to see alt outperformance, um, as because we tend to come further down the, the risk curve, if you like, uh, within crypto, which starts with ETH and then actually moves out to the wider alts. So I still think we're going to see that play out, um, and I think I do well. But again, it's just a reminder, and, and we've we've spoken about how vol within ETH is artificially suppressed because it's call overwriter selling. Um, it's a reminder that actually in, in, in terms of um, just being a smaller cap market, um, you know, when, when things start to move and, and given liquidity and all these considerations, ETH is going to probably move, you know, A, in sympathy of Bitcoin and potentially ha have a bigger move um, in Bitcoin. So th that works both ways as well. So I think potentially, you know, medium term, we're, we're building up for an even more explosive move to the top side. But when everything's getting hit, um, ETH, along with alts, you know, you, you're going to see some pretty big drawdowns. I think that's all we're seeing. Yeah, I mean, something I read in your newsletter that was interesting was where you talk about Bitcoin like a barbell investment, right? Where it kind of owning Bitcoin gives you exposure to both tails. So the the bullish tail that the Fed's pivoted, all the central banks are cutting, we're in liquidity, pumps are back on. That's probably ETH outperforms Bitcoin, but they both go higher. Yeah. Right. But that safe haven debt sustainability issues in the US, yields start spiking through 5% again, and Bitcoin catches a bid. ETH probably doesn't participate with that, right? No, no, exactly. And yeah. and I think that's why you saw, you know, certainly all the Bitcoin outperformance last year. And, and it is for me, like, it's funny, having been in this space a while, like, you, you just see the evolution and... Um, it's, it's probably why I'm so bullish, you know, everyone looks at short term price movements, but, you know, it's still for me a massive moment, you know, to have BlackRock and Fidelity and, uh, you know, Franklin Templeton, all, all the all the massive asset managers coming into the space. I mean, it's huge, you know, from from, you know, think five years ago, you know, that the idea of that was incredible. But one of the big narrative changes for me, which has been like super positive, is is this safe haven uh, characteristic that now Bitcoin um, has has developed. So we, we're covering it, and, and I described it as um, you know you, you now cover left and and right tail risk or of the risk distribution curve. So, so without without getting too sort of technical about that, but essentially Bitcoin was always about this risk on liquidity driven mm -hmm. uh, risk on asset. Um, so when everything was was going up, Bitcoin just goes up more than anything. When we get big risk off and equities are getting hit, what have you, then Bitcoin actually got hit more. more. Now it's become like the safe haven. And particularly with this questioning around the US debt sustainability, be before it would have been an easy call to say, right, 10-year yields are going higher, Bitcoin's probably going to sell off because duration's getting hit. 
now 10-year yields when they start to climb higher. And if I, I still think 10-year yields will go lower because I think we'll be mainly a function of where, where the front end goes. Um, however, you know, when, when we see 10-year yields moving higher and people start worrying about this debt sustainability again, and we are in a bit of an inflection point, you know, we're seeing US debt, you know, in, increased by a trillion dollars every quarter at the moment. Um, then actually Bitcoin has kind of, it, people are starting to understand it's like the purest um, collateral that there is and the hardest collateral. And the fact that we now cover both ends of that risk, so, you know, big risk off, you know, when, when we saw in the Middle East, when, when that kicked off last year, Bitcoin actually rallied and, and treasuries actually came under pressure, which is phenomenal for me. To that see was incredible. That, yeah, that um, was, that, they're right. And that's the first time that's ever happened, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, to see that, and then again, because I think the thinking was, right, that the, the US are engaged in another war, more money, more debt problems, right, what are we going to buy? It's, like, it's either gold or Bitcoin, right? Mm. Um, and then and then equally, I mean, you know, e equities are sort of pushing record highs. I think that's, that's mainly liquidity. I think Bitcoin and everything will catch up with that. Um, right now, we've kind of got our own own battle in, in terms of what's going on post-ETF. Um, but yeah, one, once we're back into a world, it's all about rates and liquidity. Then, um, you know, a, as we saw last year, Bitcoin outperformed everything. It will outperform everything this year. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. And makes sense why people would want to have some sort of small percentage of it in their diversified portfolios, right? Which is now a lot easier having the ETFs available. Yeah. All right, so let's jump over to what I'm seeing in the vol space. I had a quick look at all my dashboards this morning. Check out what I saw. Okay, so looking at uh, the realized vol side of things on crypto this week, we can see that big drop we had last week on the approval. Uh, and since then, we kind of stabilized plus or minus 2%. And then we've obviously started to slide as we break 40K and we've come down again. We had a decent 4% plus move. So Realized Vol, which is the green line, has been going down from around 80 down to 40. And uh, you can get a feel for what the kind of swings have been throughout the week. Now, that's what we're seeing in Realized. In terms of the flows, the big block trades that we're seeing in options land, uh, we can see here some calls getting sold in Jan, uh, some puts getting bought in Jan as well. That's what you tend to get when we break support levels and people get a bit panicky and a bit scared of uh, technical levels getting broken, they tend to pile into short-dated protection. And that tends to be the very short-dated one-week type stuff. So these things expire on Friday, and that actually takes dealers in options land quite short vol, and that can exacerbate the moves and create a bit more volatility. So we saw that, we saw buyers come in there, uh, and then we also saw some February straddle buyers here, these purple bars, uh, after the vol reset lower, over the week, people coming in to try and bottom fish and buy a bit of vol. Uh, we saw that on Bitcoin. Now, quite the opposite we're seeing in Ethereum flows. In Ethereum flows, you see them here. Very, very, I've circled the very big ones, which are call overwriting primarily. So you've seen March and April call overwriters coming in on the 2900 strike. Um, that is this type of flow we saw a lot last year. Upside call selling, try and harvest some premium against underlying ETH long positions. We started to see that come back. Uh, some short covering of the January 26 calls, um, but that was offset by some selling of the 2400s as well. And even slightly longer dated, like June this year, strangles getting sold as well. So in general, all the smart money flows, all the big clips in vol were coming from the sell side, and that really helped Ethereum vol collapse. And we can see that clearly here when we look at term structure. 
which shows us the implied volatility across different maturity options. You can see a very big shift here of about 10 to 15 vol points in that middle part of the curve. And that is coming from all that supply that is coming from those sellers in the market. Bitcoin had similar moves, but not quite as dramatic. And because of that, you can see here that the, um, the relative value spread between Bitcoin and Ethereum, something I track very closely, um, has collapsed as well. So whilst that was trading around seven, eight bowls in the long in the longer end of the curve, that has completely collapsed down to close to zero now, maybe even a little bit sub-zero in the front it went, but I think we've had a pop on Ethereum vol overnight. But in general, you can see all these numbers that were trading a bit higher up have gone close to the zero line, even though realized volatility here, these dotted lines stayed at five, uh, Ethereum vol just could not absorb all the selling that we saw this week. And that is why we've seen such a dramatic move. And then closing it out, uh, we see skew here. That tells us the difference between put and call vol. Uh, and we've seen a big spike here in Ethereum skew actually overtaking what Bitcoin skew has been doing, which is basically showing you that, in, well, this is how I read it, right? People got too excited. People got too long Ethereum. They said, that's the next trade. That's the next narrative. That's the thing that's going to re-rate 30, 40% higher. And suddenly, as it started to follow the spot price of Bitcoin lower, people were like, we need to protect our longs. And that is why they've come in and started buying super short day protection because they kind of forgot that there is still risk things can go down. And Ethereum isn't just going to ignore a 40k break on Bitcoin. All right, that's what we're seeing this week in Crypto Vault. Okay, so that's what I saw in Vault. What do you make of that, Dave? Yeah, I mean... Firstly, you, you pretty much called it right. Um, you know, <laughs> in terms in terms of the sell, sell the news event, it was definitely a sell the vol event, right? Mm. So, um, so yeah, it all kind of makes like sense in terms of what's going on. Um, you know, the rush to go and buy some protection, um, and you were we were talking about that the other week in terms of you know wanting to hold some of that protection so it kind of makes sense what was interesting was the um the overwrite flows coming straight back in um despite you know all this expectation that we're going to be talking around um you know the 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 eth etf and the excitement around that i mean what what, what were your your thoughts around that yeah i mean because you know last week the fact that eth vol held up better and even spot has been holding up better since the approval made me think yeah that's the narrative switch People are a little bit scared to sell upside in ETH because they know it can re-rate a lot higher. There's potentially a lot of inflows to come there still. But wait a week, the world completely changes and they absolutely crush the vol. So it just kind of shows you how desperate the vol sellers or the yield hunters are for yield. Like they don't, they don't hang about. They wait a week to see if things are stable and then they go after it. They go after the premium. So, um, yeah, March and April is, is the targeted expiries. Um, you know, the long end, probably June onwards, is, is likely to hold up a bit better. Um, but I was surprised at how fast they came back. But, you know, I was expecting sellers to come back maybe in February and March. But, yeah, April and beyond was going to stay better bid because they were like, you know, you might get the news by then or you might get more certainty around the ETFs by then that we don't want to get caught out like we got caught last year. Because clearly a lot of these overwriters got their fingers burnt last year. Uh, but, yeah, for whatever reason... They, they're not shy and they're coming back guns blazing. Yeah. And um, obviously a bit of a rush to buy some put protection. Um, I, I mean, again, a concern that I would have in terms of Bitcoin short term is then, you know, dealers are going to be negative gamma. And then if we continue to see a continuation of this move, 
they're going to be forced to chase that lower and it could as- exacerbate that. What, what are your thoughts around yeah, that? Yeah, well, the big strike that they all piled into was actually a week or two ago was the 42,000 strike. So we've already blasted through that one. Yeah. So if you look at the kind of gamma concentration and, and the, the open interest and wh- where we seem to see dealer positioning, the big short strike for this Friday is 42K. So the fact that we're already below 40K, we've kind of moved away from that a bit. So that might mean we don't need to go crazy from here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't seen a load of those puts rolled down to lower strikes. So it's not like all the guys who've bought the 42K puts that have gone in the money have rolled them down to 38K, and now there's a load of gamma down there that needs to be tested. It doesn't seem like we're seeing that sort of flow. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, some sort of consolidation around here, maybe we eke a little bit lower if we do continue to have outflows from grayscale, things like that. I think a test of 38K makes sense just from a technical perspective, but I don't think the options market's going to necessarily drag us there. Interesting. And what, I mean, the, the interesting thing for me always, and, and you know, um, certainly I guess from a trading perspective is, you know, we've had some pretty big moves over the last week. Um, you, you know, you've seen small, uh, Vol get smashed. Um, you know, and, and I, I guess it feels like it's reacted in, in ways that you would expect given, given everything that, that's happened. Um and, and and that often presents opportunities. So I guess the question now is, what's the trade now? How, how are you seeing this? You know, how, how do you want a position for this over the over the next sort of uh, week or a few weeks? Um, and, and what are the opportunities that look interesting to you? So, you know, we we had, we had pretty much warned everyone in our last episode to to get themselves hedged, right, to to some extent, because we thought it was likely to have some sort of correction. Now. We're in the process of a correction. I don't really think it's necessarily over yet. I think it's early to call the end of it. So I still have hedges in place. But there are trades that you can do to get participation in a rally, particularly an ETH rally, by doing call switches. This is something me and you have talked about before, where because the vol spread between ETH and Bitcoin has converged back down to zero in the last week, you're actually not having to pay any vol premium to own Ethereum options relative to Bitcoin options. So if you believe that Ethereum got left behind last year, it is now going to pick up its own ETF narrative. Bitcoin, whilst you know there are reasons to own Bitcoin, that, that kind of is probably going to underperform on that liquidity story, which is likely to drive risk asset performance later this year, then owning 15 delta upside out to June, September, even December in ETH and selling similar delta upside on Bitcoin. I mean, the kind of strikes that we're talking about are 4,000 strikes on ETH against maybe 60, 70,000 strikes on Bitcoin. So way out of the money stuff. And the reason to go that far out of the money is just because if you're wrong on your timing and there's a bit of noise and Bitcoin outperforms by 10%, 15% in a month, you know, you're only really going to get yourself in trouble if Bitcoin outperforms by 30, 40%, which we think is a pretty low probability. Mm-hmm. So that's a way of kind of getting participation in that ETH Bitcoin's cross rate rallying hard at some point later this year, spending no premium up front, but, but getting that kicker if that was to happen. And if all of the assets go down and we still have a load more downside in crypto, you don't really care. And what about, I mean, one thing that stands out to me is, is, I do feel, and again, always difficult to catch a falling knife. Um, I do feel maybe the bearish sentiments got pretty extreme and, and we might be vulnerable to a short squeeze, right? Um, 
again, much of I think is going to depend how much real flow, if like MT Gox starts unleashing and there's a real flow dynamic, that's negative. In the absence of that, I, I think probably the spec position is probably pretty short in this market now um, and vulnerable to a squeeze. Anything you like in terms of positioning for for like a, a, a rebound and, and a, a pretty sharp squeeze? or Yeah, I mean, you know, the put skew has gone bid in the front end. So the obvious, the obvious way to play that would be to sell puts and buy calls in Bitcoin as a bullish risk reversal play. Yeah, but then you are taking the risk that it just keeps on going down, right? Yeah, so, yeah. so uh, you know, call spreads, things like that. I mean, the vol has cheapened up quite a lot. So even outright calls don't look too bad now right. in Bitcoin. Those vols back down, you know, in the in the forties, fifties on the upside. So um, there are plays there, but you know, I just think the gamma sellers are out in force as we've seen, um, and so they are going to kind of. Certainly on the call side, they're going to come back pretty fast. Even in a bounce, I'd expect Vol to come under pressure as, as people use that bounce to sell more upside. Yeah. It's still as well, it's funny, particularly anyone uh, from TradFi who's, who's just got into uh, crypto you know, on, on the ETF hype, um, to kind of think of the moves that we're having, that Vol's actually coming lower. <laughs> You know, that, that kind yeah. of positive spot vol correlation that, that we kind of see, which which tends to be the other way around in, in, um, in, stocks. in, in stocks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so then again, for me, that always, in my mind, if you're directionally bullish, you know, you, you've all of a sudden got like a lower vol surface to now put on some sort of cheaper top sides. And yeah, may, maybe maybe given the skew, just, just some outright calls looks, looks sort of pretty yeah, good. Yeah, but I'd buy yourself some time. I think owning anything March or shorter you probably don't give yourself enough time. And, I, and like I say, I'm of the opinion that we we probably continue, you probably get a bit of equity market weakness, which we haven't seen yet. But if we were to see that, you know, is crypto going to go through a little phase of kind of correlating with risk assets for a bit if it's more the liquidity narrative that's driving things? And if so, you might want to probably have your upside in June or longer to capture that. Makes sense. All right, so that's we'll call it a day for t- today's episode. Um, before we wrap up, what's your what's your key takeaway for people, Dave? I think my key takeaway is is look, uh, big picture, not much has changed. Um, directionally, we're still moving into uh, you know major central banks cutting rates, liquidity be improving, um, and I still think o- over the course of this year we'll see crypto perform um, probably better than it did last year. Um, so not a huge amount has changed. Short term, obviously, we're battling, you know, it's the battle of the flows, grayscale versus the uh, the inflows into the nines, as, as we're now calling it. Um, so we kind of need to navigate that flow dynamic. The big thing from the macro is just keep an eye on China. I think if China can stabilize things, and, and I think ultimately they will um, because, you know, they, they've got a lot of bullets that they can fire. Once we see things stabilised there, I think that will take some pressure off of Bitcoin as well. So all eyes on China, I think, short term on the macro. I want to see that situation stabilise um, before before I'd, I'd kind of be more confident from a pure macro point of view in, in, in wanting to get long Bitcoin again. Cool. And then from my perspective, I'd say the key takeaway on the vol side is Ethereum vol has just repriced dramatically lower because of selling flow of calls. It's, it's because market makers can't absorb that much volatility. It's not because Ethereum vol isn't worth owning. So we think use that as an opportunity to get into long-dated past June expiry, maybe even all the way to December, long-dated upside on Ethereum, either outright 
or maybe um, sell Bitcoin upside against it if you don't want to spend premium and you're not ready to call a bottom in this crypto market. But we think that's probably where the opportunity is in crypto vol. That's it for this week. We'll catch you all next week.